Welcome to Unity of Tucson. So as I was looking at the chapters that we're covering this week as part of our fall renewal series in the book, Working with the Law by Raymond Hollowell, and we're talking about the laws of compensation and non-resistance. And you know, I chose, I chose Rolling River God as our centering song, like at the beginning of the year, not knowing that this law of non-resistance was going to line up perfectly with this day. <laughs> I love when that happens. Hmm. But I want to start actually not with Hollowell. We've had a little Emerson today. We're going to have some Hollowell, but we're going to have a little Troward today too. Judge, Judge Thomas Troward, who was uh, a very influential part of the New Thought movement. He was the first president of the International New Thought Alliance. And uh, he had a lot of influence on New Thought leaders and continues to have influence on New Thought leaders. He wrote this. Now, I paraphrased it a little bit, but he wrote essentially this. Spirit contemplates by self-contemplation. Oh, no, it does not do that. I mean, it does that, but I'm, if I read the words right, it's actually not what I was just saying. So I'm going <laughs> to try this again. I mean, it does, spirit does contemplate. It does. But what the quote is, is this, spirit creates by self-contemplation. Therefore, what it contemplates itself as being, that it becomes. Got that? There's a part two to it. He continues, you are individualized spirit. Therefore, what you contemplate yourself as being, that you become. How does that feel? That was a resounding, oh, yes, that feels so good, doesn't it? Because I think sometimes what happens is, oh, wait, I created this? Oh, gosh, what am I going to do now? You're going to recontemplate it and create something new if you want to. I mean, then that's the power of that understanding. If, if, if you are individualized spirit and spirit does nothing but create through contemplation, what you contemplate becomes your reality. That is fundamental, basic new thought principle. I said it at the beginning, what you believe creates in your life. Your beliefs create your experience. This is exactly what we're talking about. That which we contemplate creates our experience. And so, oh, my life is not working out so well. What do I do? Change your thinking. Change my thinking. Change my belief. Here's what is not really called for. Blame. Oh, look at the way my life is turning out. I must have created all of that. And oh, now I am culpable because I created all of that. And oh, because you know what that does? That frame of mind of blaming myself for all the things that I've created that I don't like it keeps me stuck in that frame of mind and continues. Thank you, Don. Don, you want to come up here? I mean, I'm happy if you want to. I mean, you've been around long enough. You, you know this stuff, right? But it keeps that stuff working in your life, and it will continue to recreate the stuff you don't like. The only path out of that is to think and believe something differently. So what are you contemplating yourself as being? 
This is a rhetorical question, by the way. <laughs> Not asking for you to... I contemplate myself as being lack. Could you imagine somebody's... That's the, but you know what? Many of us contemplate ourselves as lack without even realizing we're doing it. How many times do we walk down the street and we have the option, we see a quarter and a penny? What are we going to uh, probably go for? I'm here to say take them both because they both represent abundance. But a lot of times people look at the penny and go, eh. If you're picking up change off the street, I guess. <laughs> but this speaks to basically this, this idea that I, that I really want to get at the core of, which is we have a consistency often in our contemplation. That consistency is showing up through habitual thinking. Right? And our thoughts create our experience, rooted in that consistency, which is a belief. Your contemplation becomes the spiritual coin that is creating your life. As you utilize this spiritual coin, which is divine ideas, it is thoughts, it is, it is, it is the movement of mind, that is, the, that is the currency that you have to create your life. It's all right here as part of you. So your contemplation is the spiritual coin you use to pay into this thing called life, and every thought rooted in belief creates a return. Your thoughts and feelings and beliefs are the investment that you are making. And you can activate that, or you can just let the market do what it will, which may sometimes go up, sometimes go down. But if you are active in taking charge of that investment, you can only ever work out in the positive. I believe that. It takes work, though. Oh, gosh, there he goes again, saying this stuff is work. It is work. It is work. And that's okay. We should embrace the work. We should embrace the love of the work because it only brings us benefit. Your compensation is a result of the investments you make in mind. That's essentially what he's getting at in the law of compensation. Your, your, your compensation in your life as the effects and the experiences of your life is the result you make of the investment you have in your consciousness. He wrote this. The purpose of this lesson, I'm glad he's telling us, the purpose of this lesson is to show you that you can use the law to lift you out of the place where you are to the place where you rightfully belong. And I'm so grateful that he says rightfully belong. Because we all rightfully belong in the expression and experience of magnificence. And I think too many of us are walking through life not truly understanding that. That's just, and, and, you know, I've, I say it all the time. I, I do end up repeating myself a lot. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. But there's not that much to say about this stuff except, go do this. This is amazing stuff. <laughs> Part of my approach in ministry is to normalize everyone's self-sense of magnificence. That's why it is so important for me to exclaim every week, I am magnificent, you are magnificent. And I love now that people, you know, I'll be standing out in the foyer um, before the service, and, you know, as you do, you, you make small talk. Oh, how are you doing? How are you? And I very frequently, the response I get back now is, I am magnificent. I'm like, yes, this is working. 
But I don't ask the follow-up question is, do you really believe that? <laughs> and the reason I don't ask a follow-up question is because I can tell from the energy, they do believe it. Because if you can exclaim it out loud, if you can exclaim out loud without discomfort, I am magnificence, boy, how your life changes. And here's the thing, too. If you find yourself in a space of discomfort and exclaiming that out loud, check in on where that discomfort is rooted. Because that's the belief, perhaps, that we need to take a look at and say, okay, I see you. I see you. I see that there is something there that is contradicting my own sense of self in a way that is detrimental to my well-being, and I choose now to let it go. That's the work. We have to constantly be telling ourselves this amazing stuff. So, where do you rightfully belong? Here. Not just here at Unity of Tucson, but in this magnificent thing called life. And it is never ceasing. It is never ceasing. So celebrate that. Celebrate the core of who you are. If you truly accepted, and this is, this is a challenge for people, if you truly accepted that the whole of you is God, what would you accept as your rightful place? That's a rhetorical question. <laughs> I really want you to think about that. If you truly accepted that the whole of you, every fiber of your being, every cell in your body, every energy that creates the construct of you that shows up in this plane of action, if you truly accepted that the whole of that was God and no aspect of you was not divine, was not God, there's no aspect of you that is not that, what would you fully wholeheartedly accept as your rightful place? Share it all, yes. I don't think any of us are truly living up to that potential yet, myself included. I think there are a few people who may have lived up to that potential. I think Jesus is one of them. I think the Buddha is another one. Moses, Muhammad, basically any of the mystics who have walked this planet and never doubted the truth of their being. Those are the people who truly got it. And we are equal to that, each and every one of us is equal to that. We don't need to stop ourselves short of exclaiming our wholeness as the divine and knowing our true magnificence. Do we have a tendency, this is another rhetorical question, do we have a tendency that we are not deserving of our good? It was rhetorical. <laughs> I think a lot of us still do. I think a lot of us do walk through life with, oh gosh, I am really not deserving of this. I want to talk about deserving for just a moment. Um, I actually wasn't really planning on talking about this, but uh, it, it just came to mind because I said something yesterday. Actually, I was uh, in Harmony Hall yesterday with a group, and, and I was talking to another minister who was here as part of something that happened yesterday. And I said, you know, I didn't know that I was deserving of having a magnificent ministry before I became a minister. And I don't even think I truly knew it until several years into ministry. But on June 19th, 2011, it was Father's Day, I came to Unity of Tucson. I had not become, I was not licensed as a minister yet. I came to Unity of Tucson Reverend Larry gave the talk that day, 
And I met him, and it was lovely. And following the service, I went and I walked the labyrinth. And I just was contemplating, because I was a month away from getting my first license as a minister. So I was truly in that space of contemplation. What is mine to do? What is mine to have? How will this express through me? And I walked that labyrinth, and I got to the center with those questions in mind. And I looked around at this property, and I thought, I think I'm equal to this kind of ministry, to a ministry that has the breadth of this kind of physical expression. And I never gave it another thought. And now, 11 years later, it's not just that I'm equal to the idea of it. Like, I'm here. And I think that's a lesson to accept that which you feel you are deserving of. It took me a long time. It took, I mean, it took me almost, well, basically it took me 10 years. But it's, 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 it's a lesson in deserving. And you know what I know about you? You are deserving of the most magnificent, abundant expression and experience of life that you can possibly imagine. And even that which goes beyond your imagination. And it can go beyond your imagination because the nature of God is an upward spiral of evolution. So we are always evolving into greater expressions of the self. So what is your tendency and thought? Do you truly believe that you are deserving of good? Yeah, that was resound. I, I know You don't know if I'm asking a rhetorical question anymore, do you? <laughs> If the tendency is not a resounding yes, then you know what happens? Our rightful place is exactly where we are. Oh, that's depressing. <laughs> if we believe that we are deserving of the most magnificent expression and experience of life, then we lift ourselves up to a new place through the use of consciousness. There's a thing that we uh, refer to. Um, I, I don't believe it was Thomas Troward who coined the phrase, although it might have been. Um, but I think the idea of it was around before Troward, called the mental equivalent. It's one of those jargon terms we use, right? The mental equivalent. And I'm going to explain what the mental equivalent is essentially. Everything that shows up in your experience of physical expression is rooted in a an equivalent idea in mind, that is your mental equivalent. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so, part of what we are looking to do is to increase our mental equivalent so that we can increase the expression and experience of our life. Our life experience is limited only by the equivalency in our mind. So I'm going to remind you of that quote that I started off with, Troward. You, you are individualized spirit. Therefore, what you contemplate yourself as being, that you become. That's the mental equivalent. Whatever you contemplate yourself as being, that you become. This is not a call. I just want to be really clear. This is not a call for all of us to review our lives and go down the road of going into a witch hunt to find fault or blame for how life got to be the way it is now. There is only value in that practice if it guides you to doing something about it. I believe that the value and the call is for us to contemplate ourselves in an upward trajectory to our unlimited potential 
and let that unlimited potential show up as actuality in our lives. The eyes that look up see the world according to their view. So check in with yourself. Do you have a tendency to look down or look up? Because how you contemplate, your contemplation of the experience informs how you view the world. Yes? Are you sure? That's why you see what you look for. You see what you look for. You see what you look for because you are equal to it first in mind. And which, which is why I was struck with this quote. Once you have changed your vision, you will change conditions. That jumped off the page at me as I was reading, preparing for today. Once you have changed your vision, you will change conditions. There's nothing new in this. I talk about this all the time. It's going to be the big joke now, <laughs> which is also people like, he just keeps saying the same thing every Sunday, <laughs> which is true. I believe there is value in reflecting on our circumstances. Again, not to beat ourselves up for why did, why, why did it all turn out the way that it did so that I got to where I am. Um, the value of looking at our circumstances and sometimes going on that journey of discovery of what got us here is to raise in our awareness the understanding that it is our awareness that is the first step to change. This reflection has two possibilities. It can either keep us where we are or inspire us to change. That's it. Which will you choose to do today? Many people find themselves in spiritual community because they are looking for something in their life to change. That's why many people walk through those doors. They're saying, I need something else. I need something different. Maybe, maybe I can get it here at Unity of Tucson. And I welcome the blessed journey that anyone is on as they walk into this community and know that you will only ever have loving support from this community. The journey begins by finding that place in you, in you where you feel fully empowered. And you are fully empowered, not because of anything you do. It is the truth of who you are. The wholeness of you is God. But sometimes we look out there, we think, if I just change that one thing out there, then everything's going to fall into place. Stop it. Our, we are not in the business of manipulating what's out there. We are not in the business of manipulating circumstances. We are not in the business of manipulating our experience. We are in the business of changing our minds to such a degree that something new must be born. And when we change our minds, something new is born. Always. Period. End of sentence. I could almost end the talk there, but I won't. The awakening that we can experience completes the journey. But the problem then becomes, in completing that journey, we turn around and we go, oh, something else to be awakened to. Okay, here I go again. The awakening perhaps completes the journey, and finding the change is entirely internal. <sighs> you mean I have to work on myself? 
Yes. Because a lot of people say, you mean I have to work on myself? I'm out of here. I thought you were going to give me the answer. I can't give you any answer that you don't have inherently right inside yourself. Every week, well, not every week, many weeks, I say, I'm not here to tell you what to think or what to believe. I am here to encourage in you an awareness of what it is you think and what it is you believe so that you can start to put the pieces together in your life if you choose change. And it is not a requirement that you change. If you're happy with your life, keep living it. Absolutely. But if you want something to change, you're the change. You're the point of change. You're right where it begins. Express that which you desire to have expressed to you. That's a great path to change. If you want more love in your life, express more love in your life. Goes back to last week, the law of giving. If I give more love, I receive more love. It's as simple as that. It's the same thing. Law of compensation and law of giving are essentially the same thing. As you give, you are compensated with that, right? So if express that which you desire to have expressed to you, it's like building muscle. And that's the other part of this. I have to work on myself and I have to keep working on myself. Anyone go to the gym? Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> this may not be the metaphor for you. <laughs> All right, how about this? Anyone exercise? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Here's the thing. Exercise only works if you give to it the time that it requires for it to do the work. The same thing with exercising our minds. You cannot expect to build stamina if you're a walker. You cannot expect to build muscle if you are a weightlifter. You cannot expect any of that by just going to the gym once. Oh, here I am. Or just going on one walk. Okay, here I go. Ah, there we are. The path is habitualizing a new way of being, right? And so as we go to the gym or as we go and exercise, we are building what needs to be built, and it takes time. Nobody ever wants to hear that. We're in a, we, we are in an expression of time and space, and so it's going to take the time that it takes. Now, can that time be instantaneous? Yes, but there's only one couple people that I know of who allowed that to be the effect of their lives. One of them was Jesus. Instantaneous healing like that, right? I have yet to find anyone who can heal instantaneously in this experience of time and space. That's just my experience. I'm sure they're out there. Here's the other thing. To check, it's another thing to check in on. Because if we are not utilizing our mental capacity, it might become atrophied. If you don't exercise, your muscles become atrophied, right? None of us should ever find ourselves in that position. So use your mind. Use your mind. Use it every single day. Find that within you that says, yes, I am choosing something new and exciting to do today. I'm using my mind to enhance the quality of my life. You can strengthen that mental capacity in the same way that you can strengthen your muscles. And just like going to the gym, there is no value in comparing yourself to others. I used to go to the gym 
I still occasionally go. No, I, I, I do. I walk a lot. That's, that's a primary form of exercise as I also prepare for my big walk next spring. But I used to um, go to the gym, and I would look around at all of these, you know, guys walking around and like, yeah, hello. These very muscle-bound people, and I would go, oh, gosh. And I would shrink. I'd be like, oh. Comparing yourself to others is a surefire path to imposter syndrome and to a diminished sense of self. Stop it. Stop comparing yourself to others. There is no value in comparing yourself to anybody else. There is no need to compete for your good because the infinite, by definition, can never be depleted. All you need to do is accept your good here and now and build that mental muscle. Consciousness, a consciousness of competition, which we sometimes get into, right? A consciousness of competition can equal a choice to remain diminished in your own view. And you see what you look for. If you are choosing to remain diminished in your own view, you will remain diminished because you see what you look for. The law inevitably produces its own exactness as a rule of action. Every time we choose a good thought, we make a good investment. This chapter is also a call to gratitude for each and every one of us. Appropriate month for that, November. If we choose to see through the lens of gratitude, then what we will see is our world and experience of the world expressing through increase. If the only prayer you ever say in your life is thank you, it will be enough, Meister Eckhart tells us. Let gratitude be at the core. Let gratitude be at the core of all your experience and expression. An attitude of gratitude also reduces resistance, which is, the other, I talked a lot about compensation. The other chapter, of course, is the law of non-resistance. Essentially, and you've all heard this, I think it was Jung, Carl Jung, who said this, what you resist persists. This chapter is inviting us to let go of the resistance, to let the water do what it will to wash those edges away and reveal at its core the smoothness that is the delight of God as you. Where are you keeping your focus? Where are you keeping your focus? Keep focused on gratitude. In New Thought, we invite everyone to focus on what it is we require and desire in our lives. That sometimes will lead to a thing we call spiritual bypassing. I'm not going to go into a whole talk about spiritual bypassing today, but if you need to know about spiritual bypassing, come and talk to me about it. It's essentially using all the language without actually rooting yourself in the belief. And if you are not rooted in the belief, then it's lovely, flowery talk, but it's not going to do anything for you. We do not deny circumstances in our life. So if you are experiencing something that is challenging right now, it's not of value to deny that the experience is happening. What we do deny in this movement is that that has any power over us. It does not. 
That's the denial. We are the authority. We are the authority to our own expression and experience of life. Our conception of ourselves, the way we see ourselves, is the manner in which our lives unfold. We need not be an easy mark nor a doormat for anyone, for there is a greater power to be reckoned with, the power of the law when you use it. Are you willing to accept that today, that you do not need to be a doormat? You do not need to be a mark for anyone. You are the delight of the divine expressing itself as you. Without fail, that is the core of who you are all the time, period, end of sentence, no matter what. So who do you choose to be today, right in this moment? What is that choice that you are making? Are you viewing yourself wholly as the divine? Because if that is your choice, it becomes so. After all, you do see what you look for. Peace and blessings. You are magnificent. There was an interesting uh, invitation in these chapters, too, that also inspires what I'm offering as homework today. If you're new to our community, I give homework every week. Uh, Because... Part of the New Thought world that I think makes it valuable is that we're inviting practice. We're inviting actually putting this into practice. So that's why I offer homework every week. The homework this week is to, this, is to do this. Look at your environment. Be willing to look at your environment with new eyes. And if you want to have change in your life, change the way you view it. Now, that means, and this is, oh gosh, I have office now. If I have built up passive chaos in my office, it is a reflection of something that is happening in my mind. And so I choose now to go into my office, and Tyler, if he's hearing this, yes, we're doing this this week. (laughs) Just giving you the heads up. We're going to go into our offices, and we are going to address all of the passive chaos that has built up, because it is a reflection of something in mind. And as I engage in that, I will be contemplating, I will I will be contemplating. I don't know what that is. I will be contemplating what it is that got me to that place and the path so that I no longer return to that place. So look at your environment. See what you look for. You are not resigned to live the experience of anything adverse in your life. That's what I want to leave you with today. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.